Amen. Somebody want to stand up and brag on the Lord? Amen. Go right ahead, Miss Francis. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's right. Somebody else, right quickly. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Amen. How many knows that change? Praise Amen. God. Even through my teenage years, one year was different. Just knew there was something different. I love that. Well, I appreciate our men this morning that spoke. And, and we'll have seven more men on December the 30th, the fifth Sunday. And um, trust you ladies enjoyed Miss Darlene. Amen. She can preach pretty good, can't she? Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35. Let's stand together. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now here's the verse. It's challenged my heart tremendously. For... Ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Just one verse, let's read that together, ready? For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. It's not the message, but you... You can't read that without saying, if I'm going to do the will of God, I'm going to need patience. We have need of patience. I've titled this the need of patience. And I'll share the rest of them in just a minute. Neil uh, Abernathy, how about you pray, my friend? Amen. Privilege to have our bus kids with us tonight. I appreciate them being here so very much. I've said time and time again, I never pray for patience. Because of one verse, Romans 5, 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. I read that one day and I said, Lord, have mercy. If I get patience through tribulation, 
I'm not going to ask for it. I don't like tribulation. I don't, I don't want tribulation. And yet, I have a dilemma. For when I read the Hebrew writers saying, For ye have need of patience. Then if I have need of patience, notice, after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Then if I have need of patience, then I've got to ask for patience. Even in light of how God may choose to give it. And that is faith. That is believing that God is good no matter what He chooses to do. And that if He chooses tribulation for me to give me patience, then so be it. So I found myself praying, Lord, I need patience. Now I know it's going to be a real shock to, to most of you here to, to learn this great truth. It's really something I need. <laughs> patience is not one of my virtues. They've been accusations I, I absolutely said that, and I won't tell you who said it, said, Daddy's got to be in his bonnet again. <laughs> I won't tell you, you know, who said that. But the reality is, patience is not one of my virtues. As a matter of fact, I must be honest. Of all the things that I, 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 I work at it, I, I try to have patience. And the reality is, when I think I've mastered it, somebody will say something or do something and I display my impatience. Get out of the way. I'll do it myself. Hurry! I need this yesterday or not sooner. So my impatience is one of the things I found very difficult. Martin Lloyd Jones said, There is nothing which certifies the genuineness of a man's faith as his patience and his patient endurance. He's keeping on steady in spite of everything. Wow. Another writer said, What then are we to do about our problems? We must learn to live with them until such a time as God delivers them from us. We must pray for grace to endure them without murmuring. Problems patiently endured will work for our spiritual perfecting. They harm us only when we resist them or endure them unwillingly. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers. Hebrews chapter 10 and 11 is about a people who had been persecuted. And they were many times scattered and, and in great trials of life. And God gives them the secret to victory. And it was faith and patience. I, I want to title this, they, they had what's called a courageous endurance. Almost title a message that, courageous endurance. 
Cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense and reward. How do we not cast off that confidence? Then the Lord said, well, you, you have need of patience. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life I didn't need patience. My prayer many times is, Lord, give me the ability when I don't understand and can find no reason to simply believe you with patience. Raymond Edmund wrote this, and oh, how good it is. Please listen. In every life, there's a pause that is better than onward rush, better than hewing or mightiest doings, to standing still at his sovereign will. There is hush that is better than ardent speech, better than sighing or wilderness crying. Tis to being still at his sovereign will. The pause and the hush sing a double song in unison low and for all time. O human soul, God's working plan goes on nor needs the aid of man. Stand still and see. Be still and know. So tonight I want to give you five areas we need patience in. If you've got your hand out there, you can fill it in. Number one, we need patience in times of suffering. We need patience in times of suffering. Turn, if you would, to Job chapter 1 and verse number... Uh, Job 13, verse number 15 in just a moment. But let me read this verse. James 5, 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You've heard of the patience of Job. Job had patience in a time of suffering. Job chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in the end. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and sureth evil. And what, what the Lord said, if you consider my man, my man Job, I'm telling you, he's, he's right with me and a godly man. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Hast thou not blessed the work of his hands and his substance? Is he increased in the land? Put forth now thine hand, now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy faith. The life of Job was blessed greater than any man could be. It was a matter. In his day, he was the wealthiest man of that hour. Every day, every day, Job offered ten bullocks. Ten every day sacrificed ten bullocks 
for his children every day. And then without warning, without notice, God did send an email or a text. God allowed the hedge to be dropped and his life changed in a moment of time. You'll find that everything, one messenger after another, one came and said, all your camel, all your donkeys, all your oxen, all everything gone. And I, only I, remain to tell you about it. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? I've seen something, and this is a message. I may work it out one of these days. But isn't it amazing? The Satan has always got one to give you the bad news. Satan's always got one to run to you to tell you when everything's collapsing and falling. He's always got one. Always got one. That's negative, fearful, just negative in every word. Oh, devil's always got one. So I not only have left to tell you about it, Joe, and then perhaps the grace challenge, word came that the kids had all got together for, and some believe probably a birthday party of some kind. Yes, Satan, God allowed Satan just to collapse the house and all ten kids. Again, the messenger came, said, Job, they're everyone gone. Then come his so-called friends. They were quiet for seven days. Then they made the mistake of opening their mouth. I tell you something, Job, you must have sinned. Bless God, you done something. You made God mad. I, we, know, we know God. Job, you've done something. You get right with God. And Job say, Lord, fellas, uh, Lord God, I, I went to God and I said, God, show me what I've done wrong. God, tell me and I'll get it right. And I beg God, God has not showed me anything. Fellas, I'm sorry, but man, he said, you're miserable comforters. <laughs> And then, and then, final statement. Then said his wife to him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? And here's his patience. Verse 15. Though he slay me. Yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own way before him. Here is, here is patience in the midst of suffering. Then Job arose and ran his mantle, shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Patience in the midst of suffering. Perhaps if there is anyone, if anyone had the right to ask God, 
why it may have been Job. May have been Job. But in the midst, we need patience in the midst of suffering. And let me help you. You and I will probably not live this lifetime and get out without having to suffer some. Are you listening? The odds are you're living this life and get leaving it out without any type of suffering is a daydream. Odds are you will have some sort of suffering. And the older you get, see, you young people don't imagine. You can't imagine. Boy, you know, I, I, I remember when I was younger and older people would say, boy, I tell you, boy, when you get a little bit older, you ain't going to be doing some of that. And I would think to myself, Shh, oh, yeah, I'm older now, and say, Amen! Yeah. I, I was thinking, I had to work on the water pipe and had to crawl under the house. And I hadn't been under there in a long time. I just got a little hole. And I had to get up under there and, and I got to thinking, I, I may have to make the hole bigger to get under the house. I'm telling you, all we need to have patience in the midst of suffering. And let me say this. I'm going to help you just charge we as a church, we, we, we would do well not to give, not to be one of Job's friends. Trying to decide why somebody's suffering, why somebody's going through something, whatever matter. You, you would do well not to do that. But I'll tell you what you would do well to do in your time of suffering is ask the Lord like Job, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, help me to get it right, help me to be right, help me to do. I, I don't, Lord, if you're teaching me something, I don't want to miss the lesson. But we have patience in a time of suffering. All right, second, second, we need patience in a time of sorrow. In a time of sorrow. You'll find in the Bible, personalities are a lot like ours. There are those who are just steady. They don't have high highs, but they don't have low lows. They're just kind of steady as it goes. And then there are those in the Bible that seem to have high highs, but then seemed to have low lows. Elijah was that type of individual. One minute he's praying fire out of heaven. Next time, next minute, he's under a jumper tree and saying, you're going to kill me, I'm only one left. Low lows. David was that type of man. He had a tendency to have very high highs but then how very low lows. But notice what he said. He's in one of those low times. In Psalms chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Now I need you to stop and look this way for just a moment. The rest, the rest, four verses, the next four verses will all bounce off the first verse. 
Had he not been willing to wait patiently in a time of sorrow. And may I say he knew sorrow. Saul tried to kill him, threw javelins at him. His son stole his kingdom away from him. His best friend was killed on a battle. I mean, he knew sorrow. He knew what it was to have sorrow. And the next four verses, and I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Notice, here's what branched out of his waiting patiently in a time of sorrow. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the mighty clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He had put a new song in my mouth, even praise in our God. Me shall sit in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust and respecteth not to plow nor such as turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord, my, many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. Thy thoughts which are to us where it cannot be reckoned upon in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, there are more that could be numbered. All of that come from waiting patiently on the Lord in the time of sorrow. Let me take, give you just one word here. The difference between suffering and sorrow, suffering you physically or something for you personally, sorrow is what many times happens in the circumstances of life. And the difference is on how we react to it. It's really just one word. Attitude. Just one word. I waited patiently for the Lord. It's the attitude. I can't change the sorrow that's come my way, but I can decide how I'm going to react to the sorrow. Let me tell you that again. It's not that I can change the circumstances. A lot of times you can you can't change the situations. And a lot of times you can. But I can choose on how I react to those situations and circumstances. That's attitude. Chuck Swindoll said this, The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It, it will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace that day. Now, you cannot change your past. We cannot change the fact of the way people act sometimes. And they're idiots sometimes. 
We can't change how people act. But we have a choice on how we will react to it. Someone has said, the only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced, he said, that 10% of what happens to me and 90% is how I react to it. So it is with you. Dan Reavers, Dave Reavers, grew up in a loving, committed Christian family in South Texas. At the height of the Vietnam War, he received his draft notice. He decided he didn't want to run or walk in the infantry, so he joined the Navy. He served on a riverboat gunner in the elite brown water black beret in Vietnam. Eight months into his tour of duty in Vietnam, they were to go into this area and take white phosphorus bombs that burned white. And it would burn everything out, burn the vegetation and everything where they, the enemy would not have a place to hide. As he was poised to throw one of these phosphorus bombs, it exploded in his hand. He gives this testimony. He says, I saw half my face float down the river. He lost over 40% of his body mass. Burned beyond recognition. And he was in the hospital for 14 months, went through tremendous surgeries and disfigured in almost every way could be thought. When he came home, he got so depressed. He went to church. And his father was a pastor, as a matter of fact. He went to church. He said he got in the church and he said, God, I don't want this no more. I'm sorry. I'm sick of people looking at me and the disfigurement and, and, and all this. And I want you to heal me or else. I want you to heal me or else. He went to a door and he said, Lord, I'm going to walk through that door and you heal me or else. And as he started through the door, he slipped and fell and actually fell through the door. As he was fell to the floor, the Lord said, or else what? Or else what? He said, just begin to weep. Broken. He said, or else I'll just serve you the rest of my life with the body you've given me. Dave Reavers, from that moment on, speaks to thousands of young people. He goes in, he says, I'll play by ear. He took his ear off and plays the piano. And he's, re- he's been able to reach thousands of young people in schools because of his disfigurement and his looks and all that. But he's got a message. That's patience and sorrow. Oh, how we need patience and sorrow. But I suppose the next one's my greatest trial. I'm just being very 
transparent tonight and trying to be just as honest with you as I can be. I guess the next one is when I need patience more than any word. Number three, I need patience and success. My greatest, my greatest challenge of patience has been in my success. Uh, for you see, and I'm ashamed at times, I've requested, almost demanded, God, why don't you hurry? Why? You're not doing it fast enough. Praise the Lord, He's never reacted to my foolish demands. Hebrew writer 12, says 12, Wherefore, seeing we're all circumvested about with ever so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race they set before us. Truth is, now I'm be honest, this is, my, this is my greatest area of challenge. Truth is, when we're not willing to wait to the, for the Lord in the, in, for patience in the time of success, we'll try to manufacture our own success. How you know that, preacher? Because I've done it more times than I can shake a stick at. And even cider, we usually get upset and many times blame God when we fall on the face when in fact it was our impatience. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 8. Samuel's coming to offer the sacrifice. And Saul's king. But he wasn't allowed to offer sacrifices in the temple. But notice... And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. He invaded a holy place he had no rights to. Samuel shows up and says, Lord God, what have you done? And his impatience. I must confess, I don't have victory over this one. You may have. I wish I could tell you. Man, I tell you, I got this together. I wish I could stand here and tell you I got all of this together. And I'm telling you, I'm just waiting patiently. I'm telling you, I don't do that with a hoot. We can, when we are not willing to wait on God, be patient in God's success. We start manufacturing. And many times the relationships around us can do this. Why are you just standing there? Why don't you get busy? Why don't you do something? Why don't you run ahead of God? I mean, he's been there. And reality is, I'm telling you, we need patience in a time of success. Sometimes our greatest enemy are those around us. And saying, 
Lord, you're just sitting there. And what you need to understand, if you can exercise patience, we need patience in a time of success. Oh, I'm not saying just be lazy and don't do nothing, but I'm just simply, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, understand, I mean, understand what I'm saying. Manufacturing your own success only to fail miserably with it. I need patience in my successes because I have found something. And oh, how true. And I know this to be true. I know this. I don't guess. I know this. Whenever I have been willing to exercise patience in waiting on God for my successes, the successes are always greater than anything I could have imagined on my own. They're greater. Let me give you one illustration. We was in a little white church, and it was we was we packed that little building, and uh, so I decided on my own. I said I was praying, Lord, we need more room, and the Lord just wasn't doing it quite fast enough for me. I, and I, I remember praying. I said, well, okay, okay, Lord, I guess since you're not moving, I guess I need to do something. So I went to the town, I got a permit, and we parked all the land in the behind the church to build on the church. I got, I, I done a lot of work. They come over and parked and they said, no, you, you can't build a church here. You, the, the ground's not sufficient for the septic tank. I, I even looked at going across the road. I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked. Everywhere I turned, no, you can't build here. I, I even thought about buying the, the land across the street. But then I could just see church members run over every Sunday morning, bless God. And I could just see us dodging traffic trying to get across the road. I could just see that. And uh, I, everywhere I tried... And, and it was amazing. I, I just, I remember, I remember the day just throwing my hands up saying, God, this is your church. It's your business. And God knows if it goes anywhere, you'll have to do it. A couple of weeks, found this land and started a process that has moved greater and faster than anything. I'd. And then when we moved here, then they put in city sewage down there. You believe that? But see, God said, I've got you a place. I've got you a church. I've got people I'm going to put in that church. And I want you there. And see, we, got to have, we need patience in our successes. Number four, we need patience in our setbacks. Psalms 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Genesis 40 and 14. We find a young man's in prison. He dreamed dreams. Took a stand. Got him thrown in prison. 
While he's there, a baker and a butler is thrown in prison. Somebody's trying to kill the king. He put both of them in prison till he could sort out which one. David, I mean Joseph hears him, says, boys, I can take you a drink. So he's in prison and he comes by and says, well, butler, the Lord is going to raise you up and you'll get your job back because you wasn't guilty. Baker said, what about me? He said, you sorry, rascal. You know you're trying to kill the king. He's going to take your head off. Feed it to the birds. And that's exactly what happened. And Joseph said this, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. Here also I've done nothing that should be put in a dungeon. Notice verse 21. He restored the chief butler unto his uh, butlership again and gave the king the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. Step back. It went to Genesis 41.9. Then spake the chief butler to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh dreamed, saying, I do remember my fault this day. I'm going to help you. We need patience when we're handed setbacks. And here's the reason. If we are walking by faith, you don't have no idea what God's doing. If God had told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. You are? Yes. And okay, Abraham, now listen, here's what I'm going to give to you. When you're so dead old, when you're an old, old man, and Sarah's an old, old woman, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham would have went crazy. His mind couldn't have handled it. If God told me and you all he's got in store for us, you would absolutely blow your mind. See, if God told us everything, it first of all wouldn't be faith. And then we would just go, it would just blow your mind. See, Times like this, we can get very frustrated. Why is God treating me this way? Why, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me right now? What have I done? Make, why ain't this moving forward? You need to understand that in times like this, God may be doing some of the greatest work that's ever been done. He may be doing something that down the road you look back and say, man, God was right there. Wow, I didn't see God in that. I didn't understand God there. I, I was frustrated with God there. But now I look back and I say, oh my goodness, God was so gracious. In times of setback, we need patience. And then last of all, we need patience in times of service. 
And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He obtained the promise. See, God gives us service to do. And you need to understand this. I'm not saying it cannot be a blessing in our lives. Because I love serving the Lord. However, that's not the main reason for service. Service is for God's glory. That's what service is about. Sometimes our service can become very selfish. People don't do things just right the way we think it ought to be done. Then we get very selfish. Then we lose the, perp, the patience and service. I, I'm honest with you. We need patience and service. If you, if you have dealt with little kids, I, I, I'm honest with you. You know what? They're liable to come in and start saying, you know, I, I hate you. I, I hate you today. You ain't done nothing. If you can't handle that, if you're not doing it for the right motive, you won't, you won't make it. See, a good way, the test of, of patience in our service is when we're criticized. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need patience and service. Well, if you serve people, you've got to have patience. You've got to have patience. You realize everybody's going to have a bad day? Do you realize you're going to have a bad day? If you cannot exercise patience and service, oh my, it gets rough. Spurgeon had a young man come to him and said, Mr. Spurgeon, I would love to be a missionary. Would you recommend me to the mission society? He said, I certainly would, but let me ask you a question. Do you love the Lord? He said, yes. He said, okay. In the morning, I want you to be here at my office at 9 a.m. in the morning, okay? Young man got up, was there at 9 a.m. He left him sitting there to 11 a.m. He called him into his office. He said, how you doing? He said, fine. Do you have an education? He said, yes. He said, okay, spelled cat. The young man looked and said, Cat? He said, yeah. C-A-T. He said, very good. Spelled dog. D-O-G. He's really confused. He said, okay, um, do you know arithmetic? He said, yes, sir. Okay, two plus two equals What? Young man was astounding. He said, four. One plus one equals what? Two. He said, thank you for coming by. He said, you come the next day and I'll let you know in front of the mission society if I'll recommend you. Young man got there not understanding really nothing Spurgeon got up and said, Sir, do you recommend this young man? He said, I certainly do. He said, I tested his resolve by getting him here early 
I noticed he was on time. I tested his patience by making him wait for two hours. Deliberately. I I, I test, I, I insulted his intelligence deliberately to see if he would be proud or humble. He said, it's with great pleasure I recommend this young man to the mission work. Do you need patience? Let me read the passage again. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience. Oh, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive a promise. Let's all stand to our feet. Do you need patience?